0: Welcome to Iro Live with host Bob Bay. We've been talking over the last several months about the wilderness journey and paralleling that in our lives and how each of us are on a wilderness journey. But I want to take a break from that because we were getting pretty heavy into that stuff. But I think sometimes we forget like the basics, and so we're going to backtrack. And we're going to talk about the basics now, why we're doing this, what this is all about. This is Real Life Recovery Church. I know it's not like regular church. I want to take us back to the root of this. Now, you may not deal with drugs. You may not deal with bad relationships. You may not deal with gambling or pornography or any other Major things that causes people problems. You may not deal with all of that stuff, but maybe you're not having the relationships that you want to have, right? Maybe you're not in a place in life where you're walking in peace and joy, because that's what God wants for us. He wants us for us to walk in peace and joy, and our situations and circumstances may not always be what we want them to be, But we are always to walk in peace and joy. Hey, I have to admit, I'm not perfect at it. There are times, sometimes I lose my peace. Sometimes I lose my joy. But I find it pretty quick. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live mad and angry. I don't want to live frustrated. I don't want to live worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow or regretting what I did last week. I don't want to live like that. I just want to I want to walk in peace and happiness and joy. I want to be able to love my fellow man. Back a long time ago when real life started, it came out of, uh, it was kind of birthed out of the 12 steps. That's great. 12 steps are great. God saved me through uh, Narcotics Anonymous. If my brother hadn't tricked me into going to that first Narcotics Anonymous meeting, I don't know where I'd be. But I have found out that, sometimes we get lost in working those 12 steps and we forget the power behind it what the reality of it is there are four basic things that have to happen in anybody's recovery now i say recovery it could be that you're just recovering from life maybe life has beat you down and you need to recover from life maybe that's what you're recovering from i don't know what it is you insert your thing in there. If you're not where you want to be, that's what you got to recover from. The first thing we have to come to, and to understand, and the key word is acceptance. What does that acceptance means? There's a lot of parts of it. In the 12-step programs, they talk about admitting that you're powerless. But you can admit that you're powerless over drugs and alcohol and say, listen, I can't control my drinking and my or my drug uses. I can't control it. And that's that's easy. It's easy to say that. But to walk in an idea and understand that and accept the idea that in and of myself, I will not make the decisions I need to make To be in a good place. I could say that a hundred different ways. I could say. In and of myself. I do not have the ability. To make good choices. Just being honest. I had to come to accept that. A long time ago. Left to my own devices. I may be able to make some good choices. For a little while. But sooner or later. something's going to come across my path. And it's going to derail me, and I'm one bad choice away from being right back where I was. Just being honest, that's in and of myself, left to my own devices, I will not make good choices for the long run. However, I have accepted that God in me can and will do the things that need to be done so that I have the ability to make good choices for the long run. I'm coming up on 35 years clean and sober. Whew. I was started out in Narcotics Anonymous and I got that white tag, you know, that white key tag just for today. And I thought, my goodness, 30 days. I'd been drinking since I was 15 years old. By the time I was 16, I was drinking every day. I was getting blackout drunk a couple of times a week by the time I was 16 going into 17, I was drinking all the time. And so that idea of, man, 30 days. I wanted to get that 30-day key tech. If I could just make 30 days, it'd be all right. That'll kind of prove I don't really have that bad of a problem, right? You can make it for 30 days, you know. Maybe, maybe I don't really have that bad of a problem. I came up on 30 days, and I, it was like tooth and nail getting to that point. And I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I do have a problem. Maybe I do have a little bit of a problem. Sixty days. Well, any of you guys, if you've read my book, you realize that by the time I hit the ninety-day mark, I realized I had problems. I had some real problems. I was doing all kinds of stupid stuff. You guys want to hear the router story real quick? So I was in the army. I went to my commander, told him I had a drug problem, and under the amnesty program, so I couldn't get kicked out. As long as you did that before you got caught through drug screening, you couldn't get kicked out. But you know what? They put me in the tool room. They took away my flight status, took away my aircraft, and put me in the tool room. And it had bars on it, just like a jail. And that thing would boom! When it would slam shut, it would slam shut. People would come by and make fun of me all the time. That was wonderful. I was like, you know what? I need a hobby. I need something to do. My hobby had been drinking and doing drugs. And I did not know how to have fun or do anything without drinking and doing drugs. I had no idea. So I was like, I need a hobby. And so I loved shop class when I was in high school. And so I thought, you know, I'll do woodworking. But I couldn't afford any woodworking tools. So I got me this little set of this like $10 set of wood carving knives, you know, cheap wood carving knives. And so trying to carve something like that, I mean, unless you could carve like soap with it i didn't even think about that i could have been carving soap i could have avoided a lot of trouble pam if i have carved soap but i did not i tried wood carving i thought you know what this isn't nearly as fun as i thought it would be you know what i need i need some power tools right i decided i was going to build this roll top desk for pam i went from carving to building furniture in my head because you know what that's what meth addicts do, right? You take one little thing, you focus on it, and pretty soon you got your house tore apart. I was going to build this roll-top desk. So I started getting, I started going through dumpsters and finding pieces of wood, and I was going to build this desk. You know, I was bringing all this old furniture home. Yeah, I'm going to build this desk. Well, I needed this tool called a router so I could do some shaping and, and all of this stuff. But the problem was is I couldn't really afford it. At that time, I still had control of the checkbook, right? What do you do when you want something and you just got to have it, right? It was going to make me so happy. I was going to be able to do my hobby now. And I justified it and rationalized it pretty quick. And I went and I bought this router. But here was the problem. Pam knew what bills were coming. And so if I'd have gone to Pam and said, hey, I bought a new router... She would have done something silly like ask me how we're going to pay the electric bill or how we're going to pay rent or something. And I wouldn't have been able to answer her. So what I do? I hid the router in the trunk of my car. I hid it because I couldn't let her know I had it because would, that would have been let her know that I went and I spent our money on this router. A couple of weeks goes by. She found out somehow that I had this router. I don't know why I didn't take it back. I should have taken it back. Because I realized, but I did, I used this. I thought about, I don't know if, about you guys. I thought about, oh, it's going to be so much fun to use that router. When I get to use that router, it's going to be so much fun. It, that was a fantasy world that I had in my head. It was a fantasy in my head on how I was going to experience it. And that was replacing the drugs. But, you know, I realized after that two weeks that living in that fantasy world, that was, a, that was my new drug. And I was doing the same things. I was spending money I shouldn't have spent. I was lying to Pam. I was being deceitful. And I was in denial myself about the reality of it all. And that's exactly what I did while I was doing drugs. And that was about the 90-day mark, somewhere in there. And I realized, oh my goodness, this really ain't about doing the drugs. This is about what's going on inside of me. The problem's not the drugs. The problem is me. And that was a big eye-opener. Because you know what that meant? It didn't matter if I quit drugs if I didn't do something about me. But the cycle of it would continue. If I did the drugs, I could never change me. I would always be there. No matter what, if I tried to socially drink, tried to socially smoke weed, if I tried to do all of that, the me would constantly revert back to that behavior and I would never be able to take care of what was going on inside of me. And so I had to come to this point of acceptance. Remember, that's our first word and what we started talking about acceptance i had to accept the fact that drinking and doing drugs was no longer going to be an acceptable part of my life and i waited i sat there at 10 o'clock in the morning one day looking at that can of beer it was old milwaukee because i could get a case of old milwaukee for about just under four bucks then from on post cheap beer And I sat there looking at that candle, Milwaukee, and I I thought, if I don't do it now, I may never do it. If I don't do it now, something could happen that will change my life forever, and there'll be nothing I could do about it. And I looked, and I thought, you know, my daughter was 18 months old at the time. Pam was getting ready to leave me. My brother had disappeared for a while. I thought that he went and to rob this drug dealer and I thought the drug dealer had killed him because I didn't hear from him. Turns out he had checked himself into a treatment center, but it was just crushing me. All of that life was just crushing me. And I thought, you know, if I don't start now, when? If not now, when? So I had to come to a point of accepting that this is the way things are going to be. But then that led me to the second part of accepting. I accepted the fact that I could not control my own choices. At that time, I turned my, the idea of who I was over to my higher power. I didn't understand. I knew who Jesus was, but I didn't understand who Jesus was. It wasn't until a time later that I began to understand who Jesus was. And I had to accept what he did for me to give me the power. Because you guys, I fumbled through my sobriety. White knuckling it, just barely making it through. I did what I had to do to stay sober, but I was not living a happy, joyous, peaceful life. I was living, actually, (laughs) Pam and I were still fighting like cats and dogs. I couldn't hold down a job. I would go to work and somebody would say something and I would fly off the handle and quit. It was just horrible. It's horrible. Fighting with the rest of my family. Never got along with anybody because I didn't understand. But then I accepted what Jesus did for me. His death on the cross. He died for me. I accepted that. I accepted his forgiveness, which meant... That all of that stuff I had done in the past was dealt with. I didn't have to wake up in the morning. You guys, I woke up in the morning because I had cheated everybody I cared about. I had stole from everybody that I cared about. I had lied to everybody that I cared about. I destroyed my life. I destroyed my career. I did all of that. I had a very promising military career. Advancing in rank well ahead of my peers. And I destroyed it all because of drugs, threw it all away. And I would wake up in the morning and the only way I can describe it is, is I felt like, oh. you guys, I wasn't ashamed of what I had done. I was ashamed of who I was. I was ashamed I couldn't look myself in the mirror because I would think, Bob, you screwed it up. You screwed everything up. You're never going to be able to dig out of this. You just messed it all up. It's too late. And that's the way I felt for years. It's just too late. There's nothing you can do. And it would cause me to want to go back and drink. And it would cause me to want to do stupid things over and over again. But then when I received Jesus, I understood that he forgave me for all of that stuff. And he was going to make it right. And in that, I began to experience a peace. And so when I got up and I started feeling like that, I could say, yeah, but Jesus has forgiven me. And he's going to take care of it. Listen, there were still consequences I had to walk through. I had destroyed my military career. That was it. That was just the way it was. I could go flying every once in a while. But I was never going to get back my flight status. It's just the way it was. There were certain things I was just not going to get back. But I had a new path I could walk on. And that's what I did. So that was the second part of acceptance. I accepted what Jesus did in my life. I accepted that I didn't know how to make good choices. Jesus is not looking for believers. He's got all kinds of believers. Jesus is looking for followers. But the Bible says, even the demons believe that he is Lord, and they tremble. So it's not enough to just believe. There's this thing about accepting. What does it mean? What does it mean to accept? Jesus and what he's done to me? What does it mean to accept him as my Lord and Savior? What does it mean? If I really believe, if I really believe he is who he said he is, would I keep acting like I act? If I really believed that he loved me? This is the key, you guys. This was the hardest thing. You would think that the hard thing would be believing that he existed. No, I started believing that God existed. I, I had a few encounters, and I believed God was real. I had no doubt about that. I had no doubt that God was real, and he was able to take care of anything I needed taken care of. But this was the what I really, this was the hardest thing that there was for me to accept, that God loved me, and in spite of everything that I had done or would ever do, he still would stay by me accepting that was my hardest thing. Accepting the fact that God loved me and wanted good things for me was harder than quitting meth. It was harder than quitting smoking. It was harder than quitting drinking. It was harder than quit using the F word. And that was my favorite word for a long time. And I don't mean the word faith. The hardest thing was is to accept the idea that God loved me, knew who I was, knew everything I had done, And he still wanted me, that he still wanted to have a relationship with me. He wanted to help me go from where I was to where I wanted to be. He wanted me to be happy. He wanted me to be able to go through life without getting mad and yelling at Pam every time she looked at me cross-eyed. He wanted to help me learn to be a better father So, I wouldn't lose my temper at my kids. And I could love and appreciate my kids. He wanted to help me be a good carpenter and teach me things and help me be successful. He wanted to help me buy a house. That's crazy. When I was in the middle of my drug addiction, I came home one day and I told Pam, Pam, there's a place down the road. They have old trailers. They were like 30-year-old, single-wide trailers. That was in the 80s. They were from the 50s. Run down, empty, but you could have it for a dollar. You could buy that trailer for a dollar. And pad rental was at $125. You pay $125 pad rental. got you water and sewer. You had to have your own electric and your own phone. a month. That's what I wanted. I was aspiring for that. I was like, babe, we got to do this. They got them trailers down there. They're dollars. She said, I am not moving into one of them trailers. She said, I ain't doing that. (laughs) Thank God. We did, we found a little farmhouse. That farmhouse was a whole lot better than that trailer. But that was where our life really began to change. We would read. Pam had gotten this old King James white Bible, white King James Bible from her grandma when she was little. And we would take turns reading that King James Version Bible to each other. And neither one of us knew what it meant. Thou hast thee thus for thou and to thee. And it's like, what in the world are they talking about in here? But there was something about it. We were going to learn We would take turns, and then we would talk about, what do you think that means? (laughs) Acceptance. We had to accept where we were. We had to accept that we couldn't keep doing the things we were doing. We had to accept that. And that's different than admitting that you got a problem. Accepting that this is the way things are, this is who I really am, and looking at my life and accepting it the way it is, This is the reality. This is my life. Can I live with it like this or do I want things to be better? And so that's what I want to put to you guys. That's what this is all about. Are we tired of being where we're at? Do we want more? Do we want to go further? And we don't have to say, okay, I'm going to get all my stuff together. And then I'm going to do the church thing and everything will be okay. Because that's not how it works. How it works is we come to God and we say, God, I accept the fact that I cannot make right choices. I accept the fact that I cannot quit doing drugs and drinking. I can accept the fact that this is the way this is. But I want to accept you and I want to ask you to come into my life and I'll do the best I can to follow you if you'll help me change. That's it. God, I'll do the best I can if you'll just help me to change. And that's how we received Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to give us that ability. Beforehand, there was all kinds of rules and regulations. You had to follow all these laws, and you had to sacrifice animals, and you had to do all this kind of stuff, and if you didn't do this right, you had to do this, and you had to, all this stuff. But when Jesus died on the cross and he took our sins for us, it became, you come to me and follow me. You be a follower, not just a believer, you be a follower, do the best you can, and I'll take care of the rest. Thanks for listening. Please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, reallifeministries-stl.com, or go to Real Life Ministries-stl on Facebook.